Hello and welcome into another episode of This Is Yale, the Yale University Athletics Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gambardella, and February has been a sensational month, not just for the Bulldogs on the fields of play, but also as we celebrate Black History Month here at Yale University. And today we bring two very special guests, maybe not necessarily from the sports world, but who have had immediate impact and huge impact on our athletics department. The Assistant Dean of Yale College, Risa Nelson, who is the director of the Afro-American Cultural Center here at Yale University and her assistant director, Sophia Lackroom. They do so much for so many here at Yale University and a great way for us to see how we can continue to celebrate black history past the month of February and throughout the year. Without further ado, let's bring in Risa and Sophia. And welcome into a very special edition of This Is Yale, the Yale University Athletics Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gambardella, with two special guests from the Afro-American Cultural Center here on the campus of Yale University, Assistant Dean from Yale College and Director of the House, Risa Nelson, and Assistant Director, Sophia Lacrum. Thank you, ladies, very much for taking the time to join us here today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Really excited to have you on as we celebrate Black History Month here at Yale University Athletics and really has become something that our student athletes have taken a hold of, whether that be through Yale Bulldogs for Change, YBC, the different student athletes throughout our programs. And the theme that a lot of them came back with was how do we continue to celebrate Black history and Black culture past the month of February and really make that part of who we are here at Yale and owning the This Is Yale moniker. So Risa, I'd like to start with you. Just kind of give us a little bit of background on perhaps yourself, um, how you've gotten into this field and how you came to Yale University and now uh, as the House Center Director. So again, my name is Risa Nelson. I use she, her, hers pronouns. Uh, I am actually from New Haven and I'm the um, first director um, and assistant dean, uh, you know, deserving this role to be from New Haven. So it's it's pretty cool. And I actually um, grew up going to the house um, for different events. So it is, it's um, sometimes pretty surreal, but very cool to be um, at its home. Um, how I got into higher education administration, I that actually goes back to New Haven as well. I um, went from a very racially and economically diverse uh, middle school, primary and middle school to, um, a predominantly white and very elite private school um, here in, in New Haven. Actually, uh, Yale was set up <laughs> to, to um, pull in those students who graduated from Hopkins School established in 1660. And I was one of, I think, six Black students in my class. Um, and it was, a, it was a bit of a shock to their system and I think to ours as well. Um, we uh, went through some growing pains and from the, the work that we did as students and with our um, faculty and administrators who were very supportive of us and our parents and families, we ended up hiring the first director, then it was called Director of Diversity, and um, who was an alum, Angela Wardlaw. And I saw the work that she was doing to support students of color and to educate the larger campus community and alumni community on um, our, our, you know, rich contributions, educational contributions to the school going back, you know, centuries. Um, and I said, that's, that's what I want to do. And so I was, I was 13 years old. Um, and despite my, you know, kind of the challenges that I faced and the tough times that um, I had, I am, I am um, 
I feel indebted in some ways and I am ever grateful to Hopkins for the stellar education that I received, but also for what I felt was my calling in life. Um, and so I literally went to college and grad school to pursue this, this field um, and to work in uh, multicultural affairs, in DEI work. Um, I created uh, a double major that focused, I was English and multi-ethnic American studies. Um, and I created that so that I would have a, a greater practical, um, theoretical and then practical application to my work. Um, and then I went to grad school for um, higher education administration. And I have been uh, working in, in this field ever since. I've worked at a number of different universities um, from public, private, um, Catholic, um, and from, let's see, from New York to Chicago to, and, and kind of back here and everywhere in between. Um, and I've been here um, in, let's see, it'll be seven years in July. So uh, not quite seven years, but July 31st, 2015, I arrived uh, at Yale. And it was, it was kind of funny because growing up in New Haven, you know, I was a, I was a townie and <laughs> it was pretty clear. Yeah, it was pretty clear. Like this campus was not meant for quote unquote us. Um, and so, you know, we would get very much like, like now, you know, town gown relations, it's, it's what it is. And I think it's actually um, improved very much um, over the, over the, couple of decades, um, well, at least certainly since, since I've been here from what I um, have seen. And <laughs> growing up here, I, I, you know, I didn't step foot onto campus except for the house. And um, which again, for, for those of you listening, the house is what we affectionately call the Afro-American Cultural Center. It is both a university resource, but it is also a community resource. And so it was open to, um, to, to other folks, not just Yale, uh, Yale students. So when I got here, it was funny because people just assumed they're like, oh, you're from New Haven, you know your way around. And I'm like, I have no idea where I am. I have no idea where I am. I was actually speaking with um, Patricia Melton and uh, brother Al Lucas, let's see, classes of, I think, 83 three and 90 respectively earlier. And they were a couple of the, the first um, alumni I met when I stepped into this role. And they were talking uh, quite a bit about the student athlete experience. And so I think that's one of the experiences of, you know, you're kind of, you find yourself here, you're dropped here and you're trying to find your bearings. And I think having, um, being a part of the athletic experience here, having that as your, your background and, and potentially, um, certainly as your present, but potentially as your, your future, whether it's in terms of um, you know, your, your profession or whatnot, it can be a little jarring in, in some different ways. Um, and so we've, we've done a couple of things uh, at the house to try to respond to the, the kind of more unique needs of our uh, student athletes. Thank you so much for sharing, Risa. And, and it's just simply amazing when anyone can really find their calling in life. And I think you definitely have. And we're thankful here at Yale to have had you for well, close to seven years and hopefully seven more and seven more and seven more. Um, you mentioned kind of Chicago and I it triggered, it was just National Pizza Day. So quickly, New Haven or deep dish? <laughs> New Haven all the way. I mean, I, I will say I'm a little bit of a traitor. I will say I like New York pizza better, but no. Um, <laughs> we, we got the hot takes coming here on This Is Yale podcast right now. I, I apologize <laughs> to all of our New Haven listeners. Yeah, I was a little, I, I gotta say, I was a little confused when I got out to Chicago. I was like, um, what? what is this? What is this pie? What is this cake? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sophia, how about yourself? Do you have a go-to in New Haven yet? I don't. I'm actually not from here either. I'm from Boston and everyone's talking about Pepe's or Pepe's, Pepo's, Pe- Pepe do something. I don't know. Like Pepe's. Oh, apologies there. See, exactly. <laughs> Irrelevancy because yes, New York is better. And also when I went to Chicago, it took them two hours to cook my pizza. So no, I will never vote for that. I think my wife would agree with you that New York is better as she's from Brooklyn. So I, I completely understand where you're coming from. But uh, Sophia, you mentioned, you know, not originally from the area. So tell us kind of your background a little bit as well uh, and how you've gotten onto Yale's campus and involved thus far. Sure, sure. So thanks again for having me. My background isn't as extensive, but it is also the reason that I am here because I came to Yale because I saw the leadership in the director of the center and wanting to learn and grow from her. I was previously the program coordinator for first-generation low-income and Black student communities at Dartmouth College. And when I was there, I, it became evidently clear to me that I wanted to unapologetically su- support Black people and uplift Black people and what do you know, the timing couldn't be more perfect because that is exactly when the position at Yale opened up. And it was the only one I applied to because I had certainty and assertion that this is where I wanted to be and where I'm meant to be and have grown so much in my role since then. I've been here since 2019 and my passion started out when I was an undergrad, similar to all the students that I support now, which is just so wonderful to see the full circle of like how and where people go and grow. Um, being just a student leader on my campus, an undergraduate student and also in my graduate studies and now coming here, I get the opportunity to not only give back those words of wisdom, but also learn from them as well, because each person is different. So in needs that we have to show up and support different folks vary based on person. And that continues to challenge me each and every day, but also excites me because the vastness and the beauty of the diaspora is never ending. And there's always ways to grow and learn from it. So that's a little bit about me. But yes, I will always claim Boston. Let's keep that on the record. Just want to make sure you heard that hot on the mic, not Connecticut, even though, yes, I call Connecticut home now, minus the taxes. Well, well put there. Uh, and I think in Connecticut, you can kind of split to say whether you're a Boston Red Sox or a Yankees fan. We take all comers here. And, Yankees you know, all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not, we won't claim allegiance. <laughs> we'll just let it all slide right now. Um, but Sophia, I love the, the passion in which you speak, and it's very evident uh, for the both of you. Um, Risa, I think it would be great if you could actually run us through uh, a little bit of the history of the Afro-American Cultural Center, You know how it became to be affectionately known as the house, and how many people really have come through those doors and really just found a great sense of community there. So the house was established in 1969. Um, I think earlier I said 1967, but BSA, the Black Student Alliance um, that helped establish the house was uh, established in 1967. So the house was established in 1969 um, by our undergraduate students um, and and also their their supporters. So um, different faculty and and some administrators to to provide a physical space um, because of course they had been meeting before then, but to provide a, a physical space for black students and um, members of the New Haven community to uh, come together. And it was um, open at that time. Uh, and as it still is now, I think there's kind of a mis- misperception that it's uh, only open to black students or black people. And you know, as I said before, it's a university resource that is open to all. Um, and it has been you know, since, since its inception, but it is open to all who wish to learn about and celebrate 
um, Black histories and, and cultures. And so it's a, a space, it continues to be that physical space where folks can come and just be, um, as you know, Sophia was mentioning earlier, to authentically be themselves, to be unapologetically Black, to build, um, to build a community, to connect across the diaspora. Um, and to be in, in solidarity with with one another. And also it's it's important, I should note, uh, it's important to say that these students had also worked to establish uh, Afro-American studies at Yale, um, which has now grown into a, a thriving department of African-American studies. But I, I think it, um, you know, really speaks to their, their, their courage and their vision um, for coordinating these two institutions uh, founding together. And I also, want to specifically credit um, our, our late alums, uh, Don Ogilvie, Armstead uh, Robinson, and Glendie Chabert, um, and their work for uh, in founding the house, um, which I can't remember if I said earlier, but it's also Yale's first and largest cultural center. It's actually one of the largest buildings on campus. Um, it's the first Black cultural center in the Ivy League, and it's one of the first in the nation. Um, and, and again, our, our mission today is very much the same as it was then. Um, we serve as, as Yale's, kind of our motto is we serve as Yale's home away from home for its black student body and all people who wish to learn about and celebrate the cultures, traditions, and um, histories of the African diaspora. And so that's hence the, the name, the house. Um, it is a home away from home. It's important, I think, also for people to know, and, and we'll talk a little bit about the programming and the events, resources, services that we offer, but it's important, I think, for people to know. It's a it's a pretty small operation here. We, um, Sophia and I are, are on staff as the only two professional administrators, um, and we work with an amazing team of student assistants, um, and they help us facilitate um, our community members' success in a lot of different ways, but we really focus on um, scholarship, leadership, um, certainly service uh, and advocacy. And, and we do that, um, again, through our events, our programming, but also um, advising cultural enrichment, um, career preparation, empowerment. And at this point, we have a, a really beautiful, diverse community that reaches like tens of thousands of people uh, across our undergraduate, graduate and professional um, student bodies, and then our faculty, staff, uh, and administrative partners, our alumni, and our local community members. So a lot of times, again, people think that the house is just for Black undergrads, and it is for, it is for all, for sure. But when um, people realize the um <laughs> the the size of our um, constituency i think it, it becomes that much more impressive well, a tremendous reach indeed and i guess it's no surprise that yale would you know be the first in the ivy league to do something leading the nation you know that's what yale does right um but i think it is also tremendous to look at you know that it is one of those things on Yale's campus that just seemingly is started by students and becomes part of the Yale community. We see that so many times and, and amazing to see that that's kind of where the origins kind of came from is there. Um, and to say to students as well, and you mentioned programming, Sophia, maybe we'll throw it to you uh, to talk a little bit about some of those programming uh, and events that take place that all of the community members can get involved with. Oh, yeah, sure, Mike, you already know. Let's go. So in terms of programming, Dean Nelson has worked with various house constituents when she first got here to create several different programming branches that would enhance our community's experiences. So I'll just name them off and then we can share a little bit more about each one and me and Dean Nelson and Russo will go back and forth with those. Um, so we have our new student outreach and programming team, we call NSOP, our student success programming team, 
SSP, our Student Leadership Development Team, SLD, our Intercultural Social Justice Team, ICSJ, our Civic Engagement Initiatives Team, CEI, and our Events and Traditions. I'm naming those acronyms because as you know, Yale loves acronyms, okay? Yes, we do. <laughs> Let's just name them all out just in case we interchangeably use them within our language going forward. And I'll kick it over to Risa to do our new student outreach programming a little bit more detail. Awesome. So yes, in terms of our new student outreach and programming area, not only does the house serve uh, a large network of our um, students and provide different supports to them, but we also welcome pre-college and um, prospective students to come visit us on uh, their campus tours so that they can just get a, a glimpse of Black college student life through the house. And so obviously since COVID, we've had to do this all online. So we have an online tour. We have um, also our virtual multicultural and open house, uh, multicultural open house and Bulldog Days um, events. Um, but it's been pretty cool to welcome literally thousands of, of students from third grade all the way up to college students. Um, the house also coordinates new student um, support events specifically for our first years and other new students in their first six weeks of the new year to welcome them to Yale and uh, to the house and to get them connected with our community. So um, that includes the, let's see, the Yale Black Alumni Association, uh, the new students uh, send off receptions that we do with them in the usually in um, July and August. Um, we have our new student affinity receptions for LGBTQIA plus students. Um, international students, student athletes, multiracial and transracially adopted students, um, and also for our graduate and professional students. And then we also hold a first year's retreat. Um, we have our Jubilee New Student Welcome Ceremony, and we do different events for um, family and friends weekend, as well as holding um, kind of study breaks. Um, so people, you know, especially our first years who are trying to get used to the pace of things here can just kind of chill out um, and unwind during midterms and finals. Um, and then we also have a peer liaison program. So the, the we have 12 PLs is what they're called, um, who serve as, as mentors and guides for um, Black identified first year students to make sure that they're um, getting off to a good start academically and socially. Well, I, I think my head is probably spinning a little bit after all of our acronyms, everything that you just rattled off that just the two of you now as full-time employees are putting on so many amazing things that are available. Uh, is there online resources or websites where people can kind of find out a little bit more and potentially get involved? <laughs> yes, and actually we have a lot more to share with you. <laughs> so we're gonna- we're just getting Yale, started, I love it. Yes, we are. So people can go to afam.yalecollege.yale.edu. Uh, I know that's kind of tough and I can send that as well and you can put it in the notes for the, um, for the description. But um, Sophia, you wanna talk about the next area? Yes. So since we are on a college campus, it is important for us to have student success, hence student success programming. So regarding our student success, for student success programs, we support our students academically and professionally through different development opportunities for, for workshops and academic success strategies, study abroad programs, summer sessions, career exploration, fellowships, and many, many, many more. The house has an endowment that was generously created and supported by our alumni to support our student success so they can apply for funds that help offset expenses and other costs for internships, research, conferences, etc. 
We also consider wellness to be a part of our student success, of course. So we have embedded our wellness initiatives into this area to help them prioritize students' well-beings in culturally affirming ways. So example, we've done Afro-Latin dance classes, get us up and moving. We have classes on cooking healthy food. You guess you can have healthy soul food, y'all, from the diaspora, hikes, and our annual Black Women's Retreat that Dean Nelson started in 2016. Well, I, I think I may actually need some of those healthy recipes that the new year, my resolutions have not kicked in. So I'm glad to hear that's part of it as well. So, <laughs> And it's funny because we, we actually always have food around. Um, we have um, 30 student organizations. And as you can imagine, um, actually we have over 30 student organizations affiliated with the house. And as you can imagine, we hold events all the time. Um, of course, when they are in person, it is like a smorgasbord regularly in the house. Um, but we have, um, and a lot of, actually a lot of our alums were, um, who were student athletes were kind of integral in, in helping create um, these different areas, but we have the Black Church at Yale. Um, I mentioned before the Black Student Alliance at Yale, um, the Yale African Students Association, Urban Improvement Corps, which actually predates the house, Black Graduates Network, and we have a number of performing arts groups. And so um, student leadership development, this is an area that uh, focuses on coordinating opportunities and events um, that support our um, individual students' leadership, as well as our organizations through retreats, um, advising, and then students um, are also able to apply, student organizations and students are able to apply for funding to support their, um, their annual conferences. So um, a lot of folks don't know that uh, the Black Solidarity Conference that has been in existence for decades at this point um, is actually the largest um, such conference in the continent. We have about 750 um, students who come from across the US and Canada to Yale's campus every, um, every winter, uh, usually in, in February um, to be a part of that. And then there's also like the Yale Association for African Peace and Development Conference that happens um, every year. I know Sophia wanted to share a little bit more about the um, ICSJ, another acronym, but intercultural and social justice programming. Yes, and this program area is where we have done a lot of collaboration with Natalie Carter. Shout out to you. Thank you for having us um, and other folks from the athletics department since I've arrived on campus and long before my time. So the House's Intercultural and Social Justice Programming Team invites community members to explore critical and social issues through an intercultural lens and empower students to challenge injustice and pursue equity, keyword pursue equity. So we've collaborated with various campus partners as I recently mentioned to bring forth this enriching content working with folks from Student Accessibility Services, the LGBTQ Resources Office, the Chaplain's Office, the Yale Sustainability Farm Program Project and Program, the African American Studies Department, the African Studies Department, and several other academic departments across campus, along with Greater New Haven-based local organizations and the other cultural centers at Yale and Affinity Spaces. The Intercultural and Social Justice Teams support MLK Day and efforts held each year in January. So the House has also hold, hosted and held a variety of events, inclusive of open mic nights, film screenings, lectures, book discussions, and others that all complement the key keynote event that Dean Nelson coordinates as the chair of the university's planning team. 
and keeping the intercultural programming area in mind, I think it's also safe to say that y'all aren't in shock. The house celebrates Black history all throughout the year, hence this podcast, right? So, but it is still February. So additionally, we do observe Black History Month each February to honor the histories and contributions of people of African heritage to our university, our city, our nation, our world. And we host our annual Black History Month kickoff for all members of the community and also the local Greater New Haven community. Sophia, I just need to take a moment to say thank you to both you and Risa. That's just a fantastic amount of effort and programming uh, and just different opportunities available for people really to kind of broaden their horizons and celebrate differences and make us all mindful of each other uh, and getting to where we want to be in all of this. So first, thank you to that. I also have to give a shout out as well to Natalie Carter for getting us all looped in here and talking together um, a great relationship that she has with all of you already. Um, and that really kind of brings us to our next point with Risa or Already mentioned is kind of that student athlete, that sports perspective of it as well. And I believe there's been, you know, several, you know, prominent student athletes who have previously kind of come through the house and been a big part of what you've done. Risa, is there specific individuals that kind of come to mind or kind of endeavors that they've been involved with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mentioned um, Patricia Melton and uh, Al Lucas mm -hmm. were some of the, the first um, alums I met. And um, they were mentioning then that there at one point had been a uh, Black athletes at Yale, B-A-Y organization. Um, and I think Patricia was kind of the one of the few female, Black female um, athletes in those those kind of pioneering days. So those those folks, because they've just been near and dear to my heart, plus they are um, still in New Haven and have been kind of a lifeline um, for us at the house. Of course, I think of them first, but um, also going back, you know, to the to the 70s and thinking about um, Kurt Schmoke, um, a class of what, 1971. Yeah, and then Kweku Oheni from Pong, who graduated in 70, but also uh, from Yale College and then graduated med school um, 75, I believe. Um, you know, I, I think about them and what they were going through during the tumultuous times of um, the 60s and, and 70s, and especially um, May Day. 1970, which you know so many of us know is a um, turning point in a lot of ways um, in Yale's um, history, and um, I know that the Calvin Hill daycare uh, was was established um, out of that. I think Kurt and um, Ralph Dawson and others had really worked to to put that together to um, care for the children of a lot of our facilities and, and custodial workers and um, our, our clerical staff. Um, of course, there's Calvin Hill himself, um, Butch Graves as well, actually uh, I heard from him yesterday um, because he's gonna be one of our speakers for uh, the, the um, a panel that we're doing on media and journal um, journalism for the house's 50th anniversary, which we can uh, share a little bit um, a little bit later on. But you know, I, I think about some of the things that um, that they went through as kind of being the 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 one on their team or the one in the, you know, in their um, in their college or what have you, and um, what they what they uh, both endured um, and what they pushed forth. And so, um, you know, I think in a lot of ways we are again embedded to them and um, eternally grateful. And and I think many of us um, at the house, but also in athletics, um, regardless of race, really look to them um, for continued mentorship and 
leadership and inspiration. So those are those are some of the folks who who come to mind. Definitely some of the the titans of Yale athletics mm-hmm. and pillars of our community. And you know, I, I'm pretty sure Patricia Melton could still beat me in any sport that she wanted to <laughs> at this point. Um, but you did use kind of the terms, you know, those tumultuous times, but the things that are kind of pushed forth from those. And our campus did go through that, you know, a couple of, uh, at, right after the start of the pandemic, I should say, um, when we saw, you know, the university coming together and our student athletes, coaches, administrators, staff, everyone really kind of banding together, marching through the streets of New Haven. Do you have kind of specific memories that kind of come back from there and, you know, an event that really has forced us to see things differently and really kind of come together as a campus community as well? You know, it's it's kind of tough. I started in, um, as I said, in 2015 and uh, a couple months into my role here, um, folks may remember, you know, what we were dealing with on, on campus, um, the, the crises that we were facing, um, it became international news. And as somebody who was here on the ground in, in a lot of those um, very private conversations and incidents, I think um, the... How do I want to put it? The inner dynamics, the internal dynamics uh, did not, and perhaps should not have even, but many of them did not make the, the international news. And so I think that there was uh, a different a different story being told, and perhaps there will be other narratives shared um, more publicly about that. But I think that every semester that I've been here, <laughs> there has been something um, that that this university has, has been facing, and, and it's... Uh, I don't. I don't want to name um, any of these incidents because I think you know people can just do a quick Google search and see, um, or you can go to the YDN and see what's been um, posted. But I think that the house community um, athletics has been a part of that. Um, you know, student engagement and student affairs, or, or university life in general, have have all been um, a part of that. And how um, people have come together. Um, Mike, in, in terms of your, your question, like, are there moments that really stand out? I think it's it's been it's been those times when I have seen people who were kind of uh, uncommon friends or who became uncommon friends who have connected uh, across some some really tough differences, whether that's identity or whether that's uh, politics or what have you. I think there have, have been times where the mission and purpose of what we were all fighting for guided us. And so whether it was um, New Haven residents and uh, individual students and student organizations um, and administrators and faculty, you know, protesting in uh, in 2020 or a couple of years uh, before that in um, uh, 2019 and 2018, um, you know, the, the, the streets were hot. <laughs> and I think that people were really using their voices to emphasize the need for change and to emphasize the need for greater education, a more... Um, a, a, a more full um, accounting of history, both at Yale, uh, in New Haven, in the nation and in the world, um, especially when it comes to race and especially um, anti-Blackness and anti-Black racism. Um, so I'm not, I'm not gonna you know, <laughs> go through the recounting of it all because there's a lot. <laughs> go to the archives for that. You know, just um, um, also, I will say, uh, again, we have the 50th anniversary coming up, and some of this will be explored in our sessions, which are going to be um, pre-recorded, but we'll also have these as exhibitions um, through the Sterling um, Library. So, you know, stay tuned. There's, there's more to, to learn about that, and I hope that people will be up for 
for that. And so I think the past couple of years have, have been especially, um, you know, due to COVID and how it impacts um, Black people differently um, worldwide, but especially uh, as we've seen in our nation um, and, you know, due to um, police brutality and how that affects us differently and, and uh, health disparities and healthcare disparities affects us Black people differently. Um, I think it's been a, a reconciliation of sorts uh, collectively, but also individually. And um, people are, are really starting to dive into to that and to educate themselves, which I'm, I'm thankful for every voice. Um, but I do think it's, it's you know, some of our, our athletes, um, you know, here at, at Yale, but also just nationally have uh, had a different kind of platform and they've, they've used it to, um, at the very least, raise some, some necessary, very reasonable and valid questions. I think it really is a beautiful thing when you're starting to see, um, you know, specifically these former student athletes who have decided to use their platform uh, and their voice, uh, whether it be, you know, Soroya Tinker, who has really um, put herself out there and has been such a great role model for so many of our current student athletes and future Bulldogs. Uh, and part of that 50 years, which we are very much looking forward to celebrating with a lot of great content. Uh, in addition to all the amazing programming that you put on, there was one thing that I saw. And again, I'm, I'm a New England guy. I'm a coffee guy, but there's tea, Davenport tea. Is this a type of tea that I need to get involved with? What's going on here? It's um, so it's a it's a it's a Yale college tradition that the residential colleges will hold teas. And so oftentimes the heads of college will invite a, a special speaker um, to have a, a tea. And usually there's much more served than, than just tea and crumpets. But yes, we are going to have a, a, a Davenport tea uh, and that's going to be collaborate uh, co-sponsored by the house and um, athletics. That's going to be April 7th, um, featuring D. Maurice Smith. We also have our student athlete panel and dinner on April 3rd, and that's 7.30 to 9 p.m. You can find out more uh, on our website pretty soon about both of these events. Um, and that's something that we we started up, actually, when I, when I first got here, I started holding um, specifically targeted events, like for, for this group, the student athletes, whether it was welcome, um, you know, I mentioned the, the welcome reception that we do for student athletes, whether it's panel discussions specifically for them, whether it's taking them off campus um, to meet with different um, folks who have, you know, pursued careers, professional careers uh, in, in athletics. Um, whether it's you know even our our peer liaisons taking their mentees to different uh, basketball games or football games, um, you know we want to make sure that we are are supporting our uh, our athletes and a lot of times because of their schedules especially they're not able to actually come to the house um, to to be there in person and so we do try to come to our student athletes and you mentioned Soraya I remember when she first started and you know it was like what do you mean this is the first black hockey player ever what of, of any gender, this is wild. Um, and so, you know, being able to have those, um, those specific advising sessions, mentoring sessions, um, you know, just connections with, with uh, our student athletes. And of course you all who support them, it's been, it's been incredible. Well, we are the ones who truly appreciate the support that our student athletes receive from the both of you, both directly and indirectly. And we really are looking forward to the continued programming that is available and the continued celebration of Black history and Black culture throughout the rest of this month, throughout the year, and for years to come. Risa, Sophia, thank you so much. Uh, Sophia, was there anything else that you'd like to leave us with, perhaps some wise words of wisdom? 
<laughs> it's funny you say that because Sophia does mean wisdom, just so you know. So everyone... I promise I knew that and did that on purpose. <laughs> no, we just have a bunch of upcoming events. If you haven't already checked out the Black History Month calendar that Dean Nelson, myself, and the Intercultural Social Justice team work to have updated on a consistent basis every single Monday of each week of this month, please be sure to check that out because it's consistently being adding on new events that we have each and every day. Um, so Risa, do you want me to share some of the events coming up and you'll also share about FM50 to close out? Does that sound good? Yeah. Oh, right. So as you all know, the Omegacron, Omarion, everything on virus has impacted our ability to do in-person programming. But now that Yale has lifted its COVID guidelines, we are back and better than ever, baby. Okay, so next week we have our speed mock interview and resume building event. This is an event that's just for folks that are on campus. It also includes our athletes too, because you are also students in addition to your sports. So if you want to come learn about how to have a better qualitative and experience of how to interview with folks. It'll be at the house from 5 to 6 p.m. and we will have a raffle for a portfolio. Another event, as we shared um, that our various programming teams do, is our Speak EZ because we have room called the E Room. <laughs> See what we did there? So it is an open mic event for folks to share their creative experiences of what they can bring to our community that they might not necessarily have at the forefront when academics typically are coming first in their experience. So it's from 8 to 10 next week as well on the 24th in the E-Room. You got it. All right. And I'll kick it over to Dean Nelson to share this next event as she is chairing and leading it. Yeah, so I was mentioning the 50th um, anniversary celebration. We were actually um, celebrating in 2019, 2020, and uh, all year we had the party going, and we were supposed to hold our culminating events in April of 2020, but as we all know, um, we had a few things <laughs> that prevented us. So we just got word that we are able to now hold this event. Uh, it will be a hybrid event. It's going to be April 29th through uh, May 1st. Um, it's going to include pre-recorded uh, sessions as well as some virtual sessions, and then there will be a few key in-person events um, throughout that weekend, which will also be live streamed so folks can enjoy it from uh, anywhere in the world. But definitely stay tuned on that. We are uh, busy at work updating the website. Again, this is all very new, so it's going to be YaleAfAm50.com. And again, I can send it over to you, Mike and Natalie, um, for you all to update the notes. Awesome. So much looking forward to visiting the website and finding out ways for us to really get involved. Risa, Sophia, thank you again for your time here. And we really do appreciate all the support for not just our student athletes, not just for students, not just for staff, for faculty, the entire Yale community, New Haven community, and beyond the number of people, their lives that you have touched, I'm sure is immeasurable. And I know that our future Bulldogs and current Bulldogs are going to see the fruits of that labor uh, again for years to come. So thank you both so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll just plug real quick. So, you know, we have the wonderful Kente merch and it is Black History Month. So you heard it first. Actually, not first because it's been all about there's a sale, <laughs> y'all. There is a sale. Five dollars off. So rock your swag for Black History Month. Appreciate your time. Gotta love a good sale.
Gotta love celebrating Black history. Gotta love celebrating our Bulldogs. Thank you again, and we will hear from you all again next time on This Is Yale. <laughs>